Thanks, Faith. Thanks, Rob. So my voice is a bit funny. Um, I guess on and off. Um, anyway, thank you very much. Very much. <laughs> uh, God's gracious. Uh, trusting for healing. Father, we just want to thank you for your word this morning. I uh, just want to thank you that, Lord, that we heard so many testimonies of your grace and your faithfulness. And this morning, Lord God, we just want to extend our faith, Lord God, to trust for even more. God, we just want to pray, Lord, that anyone that's going through a tough time right now, Lord God, that they would see that you are a God that never fails them. And God, I pray that even right now that you'll meet them at their place by providing them peace that surpasses all understanding. And Lord, we thank you. We want to honor you and give you the glory and the honor that you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. Um, so this, this uh, preach this morning is uh, called... What is your kryptonite? So I want to turn to someone beside you and say, what's your kryptonite? And if they look back at you and they go, wow, I don't even know what that is. Is that a chocolate? No, it's not a chocolate. No, it's not. It's, uh, so for those who don't know, kryptonite is the weakness of Superman. Everyone, hands up if you know who Superman is. I know Nari is Superman. We know that. He's wearing a warrior's top this morning, so he feels stronger. Go the Warriors. But Superman was a cartoon character from the DC Comics, and his weakness was kryptonite. And you're probably thinking, was relevance of this? Was this in the Bible? We'll get there. Um, we'll get there. I'm just trying to remove any religious spirits in the house, first and foremost. So DC Comics released the greatest hero, which was Superman. I'm actually a Marvel fan, but let's talk about DC. Preacher, preacher. Um, but Superman, his weakness was kryptonite. It was this green crystal that actually came from his old planet. And it was called Krypton. And no, his weakness was kryptonite. It's strange, eh? But isn't it amazing that sometimes our past can actually trip us up into the future? So even where we came from can trip us up into the things that God wants us for, use us for. So this morning, I want us to identify what's our kryptonite. Who here? Raise your hand if you've got weaknesses. Fantastic. If the person beside you didn't raise your hand, just say, yeah, 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 we'll find your weakness. Don't worry. We'll find it today. Last week, I shared about mountains and uh, mountaintops and rooftops. Who, was, well, who wasn't here last week? Just to, I'll, I'll just repeat it. Um, we talked about the story of David about David and Samuel, um, where he actually commits adultery with Bathsheba, and he's on top of his mount, his rooftop, and he looks out, he gets distracted, and his weakness was pride, because what happens from there is that his, his weakness wasn't the lady, it was after that when he started to make excuses after excuses after excuses, and what happened was that he was sin after sin after sin. So this morning, what we're going to actually look at is actually what are some of our weaknesses. Here's a quote. Maturity is seen when you own your weaknesses and your weaknesses don't own you. See, the things that we struggle with from our past, we heard this morning about addiction. And we heard about that sometimes that can be a kryptonite for us. For some of us, it may be 
You may have had a player life. It was gills. And then everyone's looking around. Who's that? Let's not look around. But then some of us, it might be money. Or some of us, it might be other things. But whatever your weaknesses are, my prayer is that you own them in terms of you know them, you take responsibility, but you don't let it own you. If you're taking notes, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things God works for good. Everyone say good. For those who love Him. Who knows that God loves them? Hands up. Fantastic. If you don't know, I want to encourage you just to know that the Father loves you so much. He has been called according to His purpose. So whatever you've been through in your past, God wants to take, maybe you've been caught up in this whole thing of, for example, David. Pride was an issue for him. He was a bit arrogant. He got to a place where he thought that he didn't really need God. And sometimes in our own lives, we can get to that place where we feel like, no, I actually don't need God anymore. I've, I've made it. I've done it. I've arrived. But we need to come to a place where we always need to come back to the fact that because of God's grace and His mercy and His love, that we live in a place of forgiveness. That we live on this other side of being loved. That we actually have a right relationship, righteousness, which is right relationship with the Father through Jesus. Isn't that cool? But sometimes we forget that. And you're probably thinking, oh, Joe, I don't, I don't forget that. Well, already you, you're struggling with pride. Right now you may be thinking in your mind, oh, that's, that's a cool scripture. I know that scripture. Right now you're struggling with pride. Now, I want to read some characters in the Bible, and then we're going to talk about how we can deal with our pride, on our, our pride, our, our dreams, our things that may get in the way of actually pursuing God. Arrogance, the lies. And here's some people that are in the Bible, characters in the Bible, who had their flaws, but allowed their flaws to get a hold of them. And some of the things, if you don't get in front of those flaws and actually tackle them on a daily basis before God, those things will come back to haunt us. Here's some Bible characters. So what I did was actually take a few Bible characters and I put it in term, terminology that we would know today, some of their flaws, okay? So Abraham's flaw was that he was impatient. God spoke to Abraham and he said, you're going to have a child. And Abraham said, okay then. And God said to him, I'm going to come back in my due time or my appointed time. And then Abraham goes and Sarai, who was Sarah, he became Sarah. His wife told, her, told him to sleep with the slave, the maid, okay, the concubine. And then what happened from there is obviously they had the child Ishmael. So we've got to be mindful that sometimes in our impatience, things, we can birth things that are not of God. Hello? And sometimes you may think, oh, that's not a big sin issue. It can be a big issue if you're not dealing with it. Because we get so caught up in it, I want to be there now. God, show me the way because I want to get there. And you see everyone else being blessed. And you're going, how do they get to that place? Well, it took them time, many years, and being faithful where God actually was faithful to them. And then they became fruitful. Because this is how the economy and God works. You're faithful. 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 
You're fruitful. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. But some people want to say, oh God, just be fruitful. I want to be fruitful now. I want to be, I want to all have an all now. And it's amazing when you see some people and they get blessed by God and you look at them, they've got a house, they've got two cars, they've got a boat. And you go up to them and go, wow, how did you get to that place? But it probably, honestly, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of tears, a lot of praying, and a lot of hard work went into the getting place. And then we come with our impatience. We go, I want it now. But what you miss out on is the character building process of God. And God goes, no, I don't want to bless you that way because you miss out on building your faithfulness towards me. Because I'm building your character. I'm building who you are. So Abraham, impatience. Elijah struggled with depression, suicide ideation. There's, I'm using terminology. You know there's seven suicides in the Bible. Who knows that? Well, now you know. I've got the sermon and I'm putting it together. And I think I've released a blog on, on how they got to the place of suicide. So we can actually pre- prevent people from getting to that place. Elijah was depressed. He was suicidal. It's amazing because you read all the cool things about Elijah. Everyone goes, I want to be like Elijah. I want to go to the mountain. I want to tell all the, all the prophets about, come on, bring it on. I want to call fire from heaven. Bring it on. And then you realize that this guy goes into under a tree, receives a letter from Jezebel, and he goes, oh, Lord, <laughs> take me now. Take me now, Lord. He gets in a place of depression. If, you, if you're dealing with mental health or something like that, uh, or depression, you know, it's not, a, it's, don't make it, don't, you need to own it, but don't let it own you. Now, I've struggled with this for a long time in my own walk, but it doesn't own me. I'm telling it who's the boss now. So you can't, you can't live in a place where, oh, woe is me. Now, God has made you more than a conqueror. You're a victor. You can say, no, 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 I get depressed. I get to a place where I just want to, God, God, just take me home. But that used to be the old me. Now I'm going to live in this place where, God, I get that sometimes. And you can't say, man, God, won't you, what are you doing? Why can't you just take it, God? And the thing is that through that, God has made you stronger. I was going to say something else, but I'll, I'll leave that to the side. Um, Saul. Saul in the Old Testament, his weakness was self-importance. He thought that he was the most important person. And when David came along, what did he do? He tried to hunt him down. Because how can this guy come into a place where he can take all the people that actually glorify me, so self-importance. If you think that you are the man, I want you to die to yourself and say, no, I'm not a man. Jesus, you're the man. Joseph. Now, Joseph's um, weaknesses were actually some of his, his great strengths, became some of his great strengths. Like any of these weaknesses, our weaknesses don't remain weaknesses. They become our greatest strength. For example, if, if depression has been a weakness in your life, you can turn it around and actually say to other people that, who don't know Christ and say, you know, I've been through a journey like that. But there's a way through. 
if, if it's been addiction, and I love that testimony this morning, if it's been addiction, you can turn that around. Who was encouraged this morning by those testimonies? And turn it around and say, you know, it doesn't have a hold of me anymore. I've got a hold of it. Joseph, his weakness was his dreams. You're probably thinking, oh, that doesn't sound like a weakness. Well, it does when you actually share it with the wrong people at the wrong time. Job, his weakness, which God tested him on, was his family. Because what Job did was actually, he lived a great life, and then God, in the testing, allowed Satan to test Job. And what did Job get taken off him? His family. The most important thing in his life. But God and his faithfulness was still there for Job, but Job was tested so many times, time after time. But then in the the amazing thing about Job, he stayed faithful to God. I'm just going to be honest about this. I know that I've done it in the past, and I know that some of you have done this in the past, and, and I'm just, I hope you hear my heart in this, you know. God has to be your number one priority. Your relationship, your personal relationship with the Heavenly Father needs to be your number one priority. The reason why I say this is this. Many times we use the hashtag family first. And I know some of you are going, oh, oh, how can you say that, Joe? Because what happens is that we need to put God first. God is first in everything. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek Him first and everything will be added. God will take care of the rest. So God is number one. So even my relationship with my wife, I love my wife so much. I love her, but I've got to love my Jesus more than my wife. Hello? Because if I don't love Jesus more than my wife, that means this relationship won't work. Why? Because my wife has told me and I've told her, no, if we didn't have Jesus, we wouldn't be here. We're just being honest. I know some of you are going, oh, what? How can the pastor say that? I'm saying it. Because it's real. And that's what happens. We need Jesus. He's the third cord in this, this wrapping together. So when it comes to my wife, I love her. And I'm, my boys, I love them so much. But my boys need a dad that loves Jesus even more. And if, you, if, you're, if there's problems in a relationship, I'm speaking to marriages, if there's problems of your own relationship, you tell your partner, your, your wife, your husband, you say, go, you need to build your, go, go to God. Go to God. Go to God. And that's what we try and do. And it doesn't work all the time. It doesn't work all the time. If you've got a perfect marriage, I'd love to take your notes. But everyone knows none of us are perfect in marriage. But let me say this to you today. And I know some of you have been tested in this. Because you're going, oh, that's wrong, Joe. Because God loves family. Yes, God does love family. God loves your husband. God loves your wife. God loves your kids. Of course God does. But you need to put him first. And he will take care of the rest. If there's situations in your family that are not working out, put God first. Say, God, I want to seek you in this. Because my family needs you. And I know I need to build my relationship with you. So when it's a hashtag, Jesus first, and you take care of the rest, Lord, because he does. God takes care of the rest. Moses, he had a um, speech impediment. 
Moses, when he was called from God, uh, Moses said, use my brother. He's well spoken. And sometimes who's done that made excuses. I'm not the best speaker. I'm not the best guitarist or I'm not the best singer. But God goes, no, give me what you have and I'll use it. Uh, There's an old song that says, um, if you can use anything, if you can use anything, use me. That's amazing. God wants to use us for his purposes. Moses, Gideon. Gideon's problem was fear. If you read the story of Gideon, God called him, and then Gideon said, oh, if you can rain on this place, <laughs> it's like you're trying to be so fearful about what's going to happen and being called into this place that he actually challenges God to do certain things because he's so fearful to walk into the call of God in his life. Who feels like that sometimes when they get fearful that God's called them to something big and you can't, you're not, you feel like you're not ready for it? Noah. Noah's problem was alcohol. It's the end when they had the promise and the rainbow was over the, the, the ark. And where was Noah? Having a few walking around nude. And some of you are going, is that in the Bible? Yeah, he was in the Bible. It's right there. And you're probably thinking, hey, that reminds me of my uncle. <laughs> but his name's not Noah. But the thing is that alcohol was an issue. And I'm, I'm just saying this to you. If you can't handle it, don't, don't take it. If you've got a problem with alcohol, don't even go there. The problem is that some people think, oh, I'm all good. And they, what happens is that they get to a place where they're in, a, in an environment which is not safe, and then it just, it's just so open. You're probably thinking, oh, is this, oh, this guy going to tell me not to drink? I'm not telling you not to drink. That's your conviction, okay? Because I know some of you do have a glass, but make sure the glass doesn't turn into a barrel. Oh. <laughs> and I know some of you, because your conviction and your relationship with Jesus, you don't drink at all, and which is awesome in itself. The place that we're going to get to is actually not being able to judge, but actually being able to have self-control, which is so much important, okay? Because sometimes we, some people don't have control, and it just goes on and on. I'm just putting it out there because uh, I know that um, alcohol is a big thing. And across that is also the whole thing of addiction because when you're not controlling that and there's no self-control, it becomes an addiction. Am I promoting? You're probably thinking, oh, is this guy promoting alcohol? I'm not going to promote anything. I'm just, being, just telling you, you need to have self-control. And also, let me say this. If there's people that you invite around have a problem with drinking, don't drink. Because you're going to make them stumble. If you know that someone comes around to your house and they've got an alcoholic background, it's not like you go, hey, bro, before you come around, do you have an alcoholic background? <laughs> you just, wisdom says you get to know them, but when they come over, you don't put a place where you actually, now you put beer everywhere or wine everywhere. You've got to be, sound judgment is important. Because what happens is that you bring them to a place where they're not, they're not good, and you provide all this environment, you know what's going to happen? They're going to stumble. Are you all right? Yeah, all right, bro. I'm all good. Can you see me? I can't see you. Where are you? But I'm just saying, we've got to be mindful. And I think one of the greatest gifts, the gift I pray for all the time, and this is in the Bible, <laughs> it's in the Bible, is a gift of wisdom. 
Because sometimes we are not wise in what we do sometimes. Because we put people in bad places because of our lack of wisdom. So if you're going to invite people over, just check. Should you be having a glass of wine? If you know there's an issue, then have a discussion. Hey, bro, we don't drink. Just bring a juice over. And if they do come over, just explain why you're actually having, just having a glass, okay? Because for us, it's, it's not a big thing. I don't drink. Liddy has a glass of wine. I'm just telling this. She loves her wine, but she's not an alcoholic. She has a glass. I don't drink. But the thing is that I don't sit there and my wife go, Oof. Uh, oof. Actually, I've done that a few times. Eh? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just being real with you. Because I'm not. I'm not telling you again. But the thing is that I don't sit there judging my wife as on her little glass of wine. Honestly, she only has like half a glass of wine, of red wine, which she loves. She's not going to sit in there on the couch going, <laughs> Okay. But the thing is that I love her. I don't judge her because that's her conviction. But my thing is that I don't drink. But the thing is that. We need to live in a place of wisdom and self-control. Cool? I know I stayed on there for a long time, but you know our Kiwi culture is quite an alcoholic culture. Let's be real. Let's be honest about it. And if you think that it's not, um, when is the last time you've been out, honestly? <laughs> you go and walk down at the wharf and see how many people are. <laughs> so um, it's important just to understand that, okay? Wisdom is so important. Um, Jeremiah, his youthful ambition was an issue. So if you have passion as a youth, that's great. But if you don't couple it with wisdom, you can end up in trouble. I'm loving what God's doing with our youth, and it's exciting. But the great thing about church is that youth and mature warriors being very PC, the older generation and the church need to meet because the wisdom they have can be passed down and the passion they have can be given over as well. Jacob. Jacob was just a liar. <laughs> he was a liar. And if one lie, and some people go, oh, um, it's just a white lie. Well, where did that come from? A white lie. A lie is a lie. And the thing is that that lie becomes bigger and bigger the more times you feed it. Okay? So these are things, weaknesses. Okay? David, we heard about him. Um, pride and arrogance. Jonah didn't want any responsibility. His weakness was responsibility. God called him and he goes, No way! I'm gone! See you later, God! And what God did was still pursue him, went after him. So the thing is that it's important. Some of us think that it's only just sin issues. But a lot of the stuff that are like impatience, um, self-control, um, responsibility, all that stuff can lead us down to a track of living in sin if not dealt with. So let me say to you today, take responsibility. If there's an issue, and I'm speaking about myself and Lyd because it's a safe place to talk about, is that if I've got an issue and Lyd's pointed out something in my walk or my life that's an issue, I don't just say, nah, that's your problem. And a few times I have said that. And all the guys go, oh, Joe, you shouldn't have said that, Joe. I know you've said it as well. Too. But 
But the thing is that I need to take responsibility because my wife has spoken into me and I need to take responsibility. If she said something that is a blind spot in my life, I need to take responsibility there. We live in a land where a lot of our males don't take responsibility. You probably think, oh, no, well, we've got one of the highest fatherlessness statistics in the world. So if you don't think that's an issue, it's an issue. What's it? One out of four families in Papakura live in a single, a single parent household. And the parent that stays is normally the mum. So you don't think we have a male responsibility issue? We do. So what we need to do as men in this house is whatever responsibility has been given to us, take it on. Learn from it. Whatever's been directed to us to actually, if someone said he needs to work on this issue, take responsibility. Work on it. Cool? Only two people said cool. <laughs> the rest are not taking responsibility. Next person is Peter. Peter had a reputation issue. Remember when Jesus was taken away to trial and they were having this bonfire outside and then the guy goes up to Peter and says, hey, aren't you one of those guys that hangs out with Jesus? And Peter's like going, first, no responsibility. Nah. <laughs> Some other Peter. Peter Cody. He hangs out with Jesus all the time. But he didn't take responsibility. And then he leads to another thing about not taking responsibility. But then he was more worried about what other people thought about him. Today is your weakness, your reputation. Are you more concerned about how people will see you on Facebook? Or how people will treat you if you come out as a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for a long time. But it's... Can I ask you, do your friends at work know that you're a Christian? And if they don't, there's a situation, there's a problem there. Why? Because like Peter, there's a reputation issue. Doesn't mean you, you now go and buy as many bumper stickers as you want and plaster them all the I am so anti-bumper stickers. Okay? I am so anti-bumper stickers. Okay? Because the guys that drive around with the fish on their car, they're the guys that go for the red lights. And what kind of witness is that? Okay, I'm just saying, if you're going to have bumper stickers or, or or those fishes on your back of the car, because when you have those those fishes, you know, you know those ones, and then you drive and you actually are crazy on the road, you maybe you should take it off, okay? Because what you're doing is actually your words and your actions are not meeting. Reputation. Um, so make sure that your reputation is one that lifts up Jesus. Martha. She had an anxiety issue. Who here gets worried? I'll put my hand up. Martha was worried about her sister Mary, worried about um, her brother. What's her brother's name? Lazarus. Always worried. This thing's going to fall in place. They will fall in place. Judas had a problem with money.
Zacchaeus had a problem with his physical appearance. If you need, if you need someone else to tell you how awesome you are, and not knowing how awesome you are already in Christ, there's an issue. The reason why I say that is that there's a quote that says this, discover yourself, otherwise you will have to depend on others' opinions who don't know, even know themselves. Many of us put ourselves out there and we allow people to judge us based on how we look. But your, your identity and who you are and your value should come from what God has said already. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. An image of God. You're beautiful. And you should have, if you don't have people around you who can surround you and engage in that conversation where they're encouraging you in that, that means you're around the wrong people. The reason why I say that is that we live in a society today which has become like old school Babylon. It's all about the best of the best. It's all about how you look. It's all about, you know, the latest gear. You know, if you've got branding, it's all about it. It's been like that for years, but it's become worse and worse because of social media. If you don't have a certain brand, oh, you just haven't made it. If you don't have a certain appearance, you just haven't made it. Or you, have, you don't shop at the latest places, oh, you just, don't, you just haven't made it. You need to be secure in who you are already. And if you don't know who you are, you need to come to a place where you need to build your relationship with Jesus. Say, God, I want to trust through your word. As I'm reading your word, you tell me who I am in you. I want you to put your hand up if, you, if your kids are going through that at the moment. If they're, my kids, they go for that all the time. They're the latest thing. Their friends come with the latest thing. But the cool thing of these, these guys is the boys who just hand them down, <laughs> hand down their clothes all the time. So they live in a place where they're okay with that. Unless it's a birthday. The boys love their birthdays when they come up. But don't base their identity and their value on what you get them and what's out there. You need to steer them towards Jesus get their value from them. Has any of these stood out for you? If you're sitting here this morning and you're going, actually, that's a weakness in my life. That's me. I want you to just raise your hand. There's a few of these that have actually stood out for me. So what do we do now? Cool. If you're taking notes, just take this down. This is how you get into a place where you can take the responsibility. Number one, end it. End it. If you've got a problem with anxiety, end it. Saying today, today, no more. Today I'm going to own it. So first you've got to end it or own it. So if it's an issue with an addiction or issue, and you're probably thinking, well, it's just not that easy. Well, we heard a great testimony this morning of a great couple who sit in this house 
who've had history and it's been a process. Hohep is sitting right there. Roxanne spoke this morning. And the great thing is that they're still on their journey. But they come to a place where, you know, it's got to stop. This is it. End it. Number one, end it. Number two, admit it. If you've got a pride issue, admit it. If you've got a fear issue, admit it. If you have put your family first before God, admit it. If you struggle with mental health or depression or suicide ideation, admit it. Because what you do is you own it. You know, saying, that's not going to own me. I'm owning it. If you've got an issue with money, admit it. If you've got an issue that your reputation will be affected if you step out in faith and trust God that he'll use you, admit it. So number one, end it. Number two, admit it. Number three, confess it. And then this, there needs to be a people around you that need to, you need to be able to talk with. I'm encouraged by uh, some of the connect groups all meeting this week. And they're all talking about, it's great, just have this conversation. But if you're sitting in this room and you don't have people you can actually be open to and open with, there's an issue. I know this may be so, I think some of you may be thinking, this is pretty heavy, Joe. This. But the thing is that there's so many people that fall from the wayside. There so many people that walked away from God. So many people that have fallen to some of these weaknesses, this, this kryptonite in their life. Why? Because they haven't, they haven't ended it. They haven't admitted it. They haven't confessed it. And they haven't had the people around them to help them through it. So my question to you today is that who's around you? And we said at the beginning of the year, who's in your waka? Because I'm serious about this because so many people that we've seen over years have fallen by this, have fallen to temptation, have, have fallen away from Christ because they haven't owned it, they haven't ended it, they haven't admitted it, and they haven't had the friends around them to boost them and encourage them. And the Bible says to spur them on. That's what it says. And then we get into a place where we wonder why we haven't seen the person. It's because they don't want to own it. They don't want to admit it. But if you're, if you're choosing your waka, you've got to make sure everyone in your waka knows what's happening. And for a long time, I didn't own my depression. For a long time, I didn't own my, my suicide ideation. For a very long time, I didn't own it. But then I get to a place where my wife looked at me and she, with tears in her eyes, and she said, you need to own it. We're just not owning it. See, mental health is not a, it's not a dark thing if we bring it into the light. But we made the stigma and we put it on people. And we say, oh, don't talk about that in church. You can't say that. But the thing is that people are dying. Seven suicides in the Bible. Hello? The word of truth that we need to be spreading to people. And if people don't feel like they come to a place where they can own it and end it and admit it and say, I need help, then we can walk with them. We can row with them. And I'm passionate about this because I've seen so many people fall away from Christ because they never wanted to own it or end it or admit it. Are you willing to do that this morning? 
If, if, it's, not, if it's not mental health, and maybe it's something around uh, money. If it's not around money, maybe it's around anxiety. Oh, Joe, I've always been like that. You don't always have to be like that. It runs in my family. Well, it runs out now. You've got to say no more. You should be like that person, uh, Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. You shall not pass. And that's the conviction we should have. That in my life and in my family, no more. If alcohol has been an issue in your family, no more. If addiction to drugs or anything out there, say no more. That thing's not coming into this house again. And guess what? God's given you all authority through Christ to say no more. There's a young couple that I was uh, had the privilege of actually doing pre-marriage with. And the crazy thing is that, and the reason why I'm sharing this story is it's such a crazy story, is that this young couple, they came to me and, and, and one of the other pastors, had, and we were talking to them, and we said, no, one of the big things is that finding your love language. Who knows that book, Five Love Languages? And uh, if you find your love language, you're able to kind of help your marriage, you know, because practically it's uh, probably just awareness of what the other person loves in their life. Some of it's quality time, um, gifts, words of affirmation, all those things in the five love languages. So this one couple comes in, sits down, and we said, hey, guys, what's your love language? And both of them were going, touch. This pre-marriage, Touch. His one is touch, and my one is touch. Okay, because they couldn't get their hands off each other. Pre-marriage. And then we said to them, are you sure it's touch? And they said, yeah, we prayed about it. and We prayed about it, and we know it's touch. Touch. <laughs> they get married. Three months later, we have this follow-up. And then we said, what's your love language? And they said, oh, my one's gifts. And his one's word of effort. I thought you said it was Touch. And now it's changed. I said, oh, it changed. And the only reason that it changed was because, you know, they're getting married. They obviously just wanted to sleep with each other. It's just being real. And so that misled them. And when we got to a place where we were actually dealing with them, they didn't want to admit the fact that they had made an error of judgment. But the thing is that for them to own it, actually, because they stumbled along the way. Actually, we got to a place where we can walk them through. But the thing is that at the end of it, they didn't own their weaknesses. Because they didn't want to admit that there was touch before. <laughs> and now it's become uh, words of affirmation or quality gifts. But the thing is that you get to a place where you need to own where you've come from. Own your cause or own your, the things that you've been actually taking responsibility for. And the reason why I'm saying that is that a lot of people we come across with actually don't own their stuff. Their friends in your group of in your group, circle of friends that are the friends that don't own their stuff. Who's got friends like that? Don't put your hand up because they're probably sitting beside you. Just do my eyebrow raise if you've got friends. <laughs> so what you need to understand is that you need to help your friends or even yourself take full 
responsibility of the change they want to see. Because the thing is that if the person doesn't take responsibility, if they've got an alcohol issue and they keep on going to parties, they have alcohol and they're coming back all the time wasted, and you'll challenge them to take responsibility, that means that they're not owning it, they don't want to end it, and they don't want to actually see it change in their life. If a friend's got an issue with depression, you've got to ask them, you know, we want to journey with you, but you've got to be okay about talking about it. But if they don't come back to you and talk about it, it's because they don't feel like they can take the responsibility of having a group of people know what's going on. Some of you have friends in your circle, in your waka, that you need to be honest with. What do I mean by honest? Straight up. Hey, we're trying to help you, but you need to take responsibility for the change you want to see. And then you wonder why you see them on Facebook, carry on the way they are. Because Facebook is not a valid place to get your value from. Hello? Your value does not come from how many likes you have. Your value doesn't come back how many Instagram stories you can share and how people are watching it. There's no value in that at all. Your value doesn't come from Fortnite. That's the one for my voice. Their value comes from Jesus. And our responsibility is for our boys, for our friends, for our family members, to get them to end it, to admit it, to confess it, and to take responsibility of it. Embrace God's plan, because God wants to actually come through and break through into people's lives. So the question is, what is your kryptonite? Who feels like they've heard their kryptonite this morning? Cool. Now what you need to do is from today onwards, go home, end it, own it, admit it, and tell your group of friends around you, hey, I've been struggling with this for a while. Can you guys keep me more accountable? If you're too scared right now to do that, just ask the Holy Spirit to give you the peace so you can share with your family or your friends or whoever's in your waka. Because the thing is that this, if not dealt with, can lead to where David was on top of the rooftop, where he allowed his pride to get ahead of him and it made him get to a dark place where he had to lie about every single thing. So my friends, my family, what is your kryptonite this morning? Don't let it hold you back from what God has called you to. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Pete, can you just jump on the keys? Thanks, bro. I don't, I don't want to prolong this, but um, I just want to pray. And um, as we're praying, uh, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit, why do you talk Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit would actually Open up your heart and actually reveal something in your heart that maybe has been a weakness that you probably haven't seen for a while. But it's not just reveal it so you can actually 
Now I'll say, oh, God, how can I handle this? And that's to reveal it so God can bring wholeness and healing. So whatever it is this morning, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, Holy Spirit, reveal any weaknesses that you see in me so I can deal with it. David, in the Bible, in the Psalms, he was a great songwriter, a great psalmist. But I loved a lot of his time with the Lord. He would say, either created me a clean heart or look into my heart or search my heart. Why? Because David knew that he got into a bad place. So this morning, you're probably not in a bad place or maybe you are in a bad place. I'm not sure where you lie this morning. I don't know where you're at. But my prayer is that you would open your heart and say, God, whatever the weaknesses are, whatever my kryptonite is, I pray that you'll reveal it to me. Because I don't want those weaknesses to uh, be place a stumbling block for me to walk into you, the fullness of what you have for me. My weaknesses are, I've got a pride issue. It's been straight up. And my pride issue is not revealed until I talk to my wife. And being the loving woman she is, she rebukes me. She tells me, this is where it's at. And sometimes in marriages, you, you wash over and you think, no, you're all good. But it's not all good. If you're struggling with anxiety or a mental health issue, take it to God. Let Him reveal it to you. If you're struggling with impatience, this morning, I pray that God would give you patience because patience is a fruit that comes out of being with the Spirit of God. If it's self-control, you get to ask God, reveal that to you. It's a fruit. Remember, this is not a moment where we hear the keys and we say, oh, God's here. Now, God was already here before Peter got on stage. He was already ministering to you. He's already speaking to you. Right now, it's just a time where we can just settle ourselves and say, God, here I am. Search my heart, O Lord. Anything that is not of you, remove it from me. God, I just want to commit our church whānau to you this morning. And God, I want to pray, Lord God, that you will reveal anything that will be kryptonite or things that or be Achilles' heel or anything, a weakness that would hold us back from fulfilling the call on our lives, Lord God. This even now, just downloading by your Spirit. Just anything, Lord God. I want to thank you that you want to make us whole, that you want to heal us, that you want to cause us to be more than conquerors this morning. Father, thank you, Lord God. If that's you this morning, you're thinking, man, God's really already speaking to me. Just raise your hand quickly and say, yeah, he's speaking to me, Joe. That's cool. Awesome. Just let him just continue to do that. And some of you, it might not be a big bang. It might be just a, 
a still small voice saying that I'm here. It may be just an overwhelming sense of God's peace saying, I've got this. Or maybe this is an upfront word. <laughs> or God might download a story from past that he wants to delve into. Awesome. All around this place, God's ministering to you. God, we want to pray, Lord God, that we be sensitive, not just today, but during the week, Lord God, as you start to uproot some of these things that hold us back. And God, we want to pray, Lord God, that you would use these weaknesses and make them strengths in our lives, that we can be a testimony of your faithfulness to others. Like the wonderful stories we heard this morning of coming out of addiction and finding peace in you. We pray that there be more stories of your faithfulness and goodness, Lord God. God, I thank you, Lord God, that it's not because of the word that I brought this morning, but because of what you want to do in your children's lives this morning, Lord God, that will change them. We thank you, Lord God. We honor you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. If you need prayer for anything, um, we'll just have a team up here. Henry's got his team up here. The care team just going to come pray. So if you need prayer for anything, that you're praying for God to start, come on the front. But we're going to dissolve the meeting. There's 10 coffee next door. But if you want to just sit and just be still in His presence, you can do that as well. Because I know some of you are just being touched by God. God bless you all. Have a great week. Ka kite anu.